0: Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Roundup Rodeo. The very best of last week's rugby coaching webinars and podcasts reviewed by host Phil Flewellyn and his special guests.
1: Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Roundup Rodeo. I'm your host, Phil Llewellyn. Thank you for joining us for Season 2 as we delve back into the world of sports coaching and rugby. My guests will be presenting their key learnings from a piece of content of their choosing, and we then discuss its application and implementation. As always, I'm delighted to have another three wonderful individuals join me this week. So, gents, if you'd like to introduce yourselves and tell us what is your current role.
0: Thanks, Phil. I'll start. Um, John Fletcher, a.k.a. Fletch. Um, Delighted to be on, especially with with these guys. Um, what have I done? Played rugby a bit, coached it a bit, worked at the RFU for quite a long time. Um, left, uh, uh, correction, was sacked a couple of years ago. Um, been hanging out with Rusty even more than I used to. Uh, less with Waltz, which makes me sad. Uh, mainly around coach development, having a look at how we can support coaches, how we look at look, look, to support their teams and their and their environments and yeah, really enjoying it learned lots, learned lots more in the last two years than I learned probably in the 10 years I was with the RFU um, which is good feedback for me and the RFU um, and looking forward to the next 57 and a half minutes
2: Yeah Rusty um, I'm just going to mention it now in case you edited but you did make a mistake at the start so good luck trying to edit this bit out as well so that yours is seamless um uh, journeyman rugby player economist uh two-year teacher um few years of coaching coach with Fletcher and waltz loved every second of it um gutted when these two fellas got sacked um <clears throat> i had a week on my own where i think they needed me to do the teacher days quite frankly um and then I got made redundant. Uh, best thing that ever happened to me, um, still in touch with some wonderful people at the RFU and doing some fun stuff. Just did something cool with uh, Dave Livesey today. So shout out to Livesey and the stuff that they're trying to do in these challenging circumstances. Um, probably same as Fletch, like my brain hurts from the last kind of two years of my life, um, still learning. Um, Actually, I was thinking a bit about the Johnny podcast, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but like, if Rusty now had met Rusty two years ago, he probably would have shaken his head, quite frankly. So, uh, (laughs) as Waltz was doing anyway, so I'll let uh, Waltz crack on. Yeah, um,
3: Peter Walton, aka Waltz. um, Worked with these two reprobates for a few years, worked with Fletch for a lot longer, been sacked twice with Fletch. So it's um, it's a common thing. So I felt I had to break the seam a couple of years ago. And um, so I played rugby to a good level, managed to get um, some representative honours and um, managed to win a a league title with Newcastle Falcons and get on and coach there for a number of years and then worked the RFU for 10 years. And now um, a little little stab at Bristol for a season, which was great. Um, but needed to move closer to home because I sort of spent most of the time on motorways and roads and now I, le- I work for Gloucester Rugby, head of the academy and I just love finding, helping people develop to become the best they can be or on the journey to become the best they can be and um, and, and that's probably maybe my downfall a lot of things I care too much about success for players, I like to see them do well and people. Wonderful,
1: absolute pleasure to have you all on um... Yeah, I can tell this is going to be tough to uh, to keep you boys in check, but I will do my best. And uh, cheers for making the editing even more difficult, Rusty. I appreciate that. Um, before we get started, just a reminder to check out the blurb for links to all the content we discuss and recommendations to other high-quality podcasts. Fletch, we're coming to you first. What content uh, are you going to be looking at? Uh, yeah, it's from the Robin Van Persie
0: interview. Um so this it's, it's actually quite a long interview, but the stuff I want to mention is it's, it's just his, um, his relationship with his son. So pretty much the backstory is he watched went to watch his son play. His son was playing in the final against Ajax. Um, Robin Van Persie used to play for that club and then played for the mighty Arsenal. Um, went to watch it. His son actually didn't get on, which is a bit weird because his son was only 12. Um, so I'm not sure what was going on there. However, then he had a conversation with his son about it and then just sort of listened to your son whine on a bit and blame everybody else and sort of turn the mirror maybe away from him and the coach was this and the opposition's out and I've done this and all that sort of stuff. And then just a the conversation that they had. Um, I thought his language was probably a bit harsh, you know, sort of, look, actually, when I've listened to this, I'm... Um, you know, do you want to be a loser? Or do you want to be a winner? This is what I think a loser does. This is what I think a winner does. These are the behaviors that I think you should consider um, if you want to be that winner. Irrelevant of what you decide, I love you. Um, our job is to look to support you yeah, and and look to develop this sort of in, independence type stuff. Kind of left it uh, and then went to watch them two or three days later. Um, he didn't normally watch training, but actually went to watch training and just witnessed this warrior on the pitch. So I just, I love the story element to it. I love the fact that it's a, an incredibly successful, highly talented footballer who's now a dad. Just sort of having that experience, experience that lots of parents and and kids that have, whether it be sons and, or daughters, or whether it be mums or dads, it's happening every single we get well. It's happening every sport, every day, all the time, and I just think we can be more skillful around it. Just uh, so, yeah. that was it. What What are people thinking about it?
1: Cool. cool. First question for you: Do you think we conflate the the winner and loser piece in terms of his language around that and and being a winner or a loser? i listened to a podcast a couple of weeks ago that talked about you know success and failure aren't opposite ends of the spectrum and actually how they're different to winning and losing and i just wondered does it all kind of just get rolled into one and as coaches or parents or players we kind of think that losing and failure is is ultimately always bad and maybe there's just a a different angle we could take on that, that, that you've got to fail to be successful. Like no one, I don't think anyone's ever achieved something without some sort of failure along the way. And maybe we need to celebrate failure more than we do and get away from this Or you know, winners are everything else and, and losers aren't.
0: Yeah, look, I'm, I mean, maybe the language wasn't uh, ideal and definitely can be interpreted in that way. I think what he was referring to was the behaviour of his son um, in terms of um, how we had reacted to this experience um, and then the conversation had come to it. So the winning to me, sorry, what I understand Robin Van Persie to be talking about were around winning was that what he'd noticed and maybe what he'd experienced himself is that when things don't go so well for you, you just, you probably work a little bit harder in your first look at yourself. Um, so I think the win and losing reference Probably is a slightly unfortunate. I actually like it because I think it makes people sort of like, whoa. You know, um, and then probably get them to look into it a little bit more, which is what happened. It had huge, huge impact. It was all over social media. People had some reasonable views about it. Uh, most people had a similar view to me. Um, this this conversation happens a lot. Um, I think young people would benefit from having those conversations with, with parents or grown-ups and everybody would benefit from holding the mirror up to themselves first um now there might be some other stuff that's that you can't control and that's then where maybe you know you you, you would have conversations other people and maybe parents would get involved with that but i think it's a yeah to hold the mirror up to yourself first to look at what you can do about it um, and what are you going to do about it and i love it's got a good ending you know the you know the boy then went on a, change his behaviour a bit and change his attitude and then had some real positive experiences. And often you can, you can have a real positive experience from, from things not go well.
1: How do you think you learn to have those conversations? I'm open up to, to all three of you as a question. I'm, I'm not a parent, so I, I don't have that direct experience, but it's how how as a parent do you learn that? Is, is it just through having it and, and stumbling through it the first time and learning and getting better or that kind of where would you direct people to who, who maybe want to be better at having those kind of chats yeah i mean look
0: i've had some bad experiences um i've got three lads i've definitely got it wrong a few times i think the key out i'd be reasonable at asking them do they want to have a chat about it um how honest do they want me to be type stuff like oh you know what does feedback look? Definitely develop your listener skills and and um, don't just be waiting to sort of reply with what you think anyways. Stay in the conversation and go with their conversation. Don't go with your own. And that is difficult because it's going up so we have experiences and we have views and we have thoughts. So that would be quite useful. Um, I would imagine that you've already done this safety piece around that. They know that you've got good intent and you care for them and you love them and you just want the best for, for them. And if that is the case, then you can have some pretty tough conversations um, with your kids. Um, I mean, we're we're probably slightly weird. Like we've kind of agreed what what stuff's important around sport. You know, what's the stuff that our that we'll have views on as as a family, really? Um, so this try hard, try stuffs really important to us. And I'll be honest, that's kind of where we'll start, really. Anybody else? Walter, yeah. are you going to give it a bit of that, or...?
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't spent a lot of time... Um, I, I've got I got it wrong. Definitely when um, my daughter's coming through and start her sort of sporting journey that she's on. Yeah, a bit of that. Use your head, use your nose. I got that wrong at a younger age. Um, I would like to think I'm probably... I'm still developing that with her at the moment. Um, I know how she ticks. So I need to, and there's ways I approach things, and sometimes you sort of approach things the wrong way, and you know, right, just shut up and say nothing, and then then they don't like that. So it's a it's a balancing act, isn't it? And I think that Van Persie thing that, you know, this is quite interesting at the moment. Um, with parents of kids at the moment, there's not not many kids got car journeys home from training sessions from sport because they're not doing that. So it'll be interesting to see what they what they're talking around at home um because they're not always having those journeys um which will be you know is that are they are they inquiring about what they're doing at school more are they inquiring about their friends are they inquiring about um how they're feeling as people as kids and that's why i do wonder because i do always at the end of sessions when i've coached and usually in the evenings i've always been concerned that what is going to be said in the car
2: probably the same as both these guys learning along the way Clearly, lots of places you can go look for this stuff. Um, I think it's a it's a cool video. It's helpful because it leads to conversations. I mean, I wonder how intentional it was. Was it planned? Were they? Was it? You know, is it lucky that that's his dad? So, you know, did what if that was another kid? What would have happened then? Uh, I think the stuff you said Phil is interesting. Like, let's um, let's talk about what winning and what losing is. Um, is it just the score because can't spend our lives just looking at the scoreboard? Um yeah, what you know, how, how are we equipping people with those skills as players to reflect, to goal set, to to actually understand their relationship with failure? Like, as you said, like you're gonna you need you need to fail, you need to get some stuff wrong to learn some stuff. It's probably some of our as we you know, as as when you lose your job you definitely reflect. Um when you lose matches you often reflect deeper. I'm thinking a little bit about you know, England beat all blacks in the semi final. <clears throat> if they uh lose to the all blacks and then have to play South Africa, is their week different because they lost? I'm pretty sure it would be. So often leads to deeper reflection, but but I think we need skills there because Ah, you know, I've got a 15-year-old son and Fletch and you would and once and you would experience this like if coaches don't speak to them and something's happened, then often they're playing through a lot of stuff in their head um, and if you would leave someone alone, you know, for perhaps two, three, four days alone in their own head, it might not be a great place to be without appropriate support, so I really like it because I think it leads to helpful conversations, but You know, a lot of people jump on a video like that and go, well, yeah, that's what should be happening. Um, And I'm a bit, I will be concerned about that. I mean, Walt, I was going to say, I mean, Walt, you must be, this is your job, isn't it? I mean, you're an academy manager. You've got loads of kids, loads of parents, like the communication, how you support those kids is like, it's critical, isn't it?
3: It is because it's a you know when we make decisions on players at a young age, and you don't want to have to go too young, but we have to make decisions re contracts, and sometimes we have to narrow a wide wider area into a shorter, to a smaller group, and it is sometimes the end of the world for some of them, and 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 it's it's the hardest thing as a coach to, you know, to to say at the moment you're not quite good enough, and we'll definitely keep an eye on you, but we won't be keeping you in the academy, and that's a, it's it's just a decision we make. It's not. That we know everything. It's just a decision, and um, it is hard. And we're always—you just sometimes when kids arrive at training, you wonder what they've done today. You know, wonder what that car journey to the training was like. You know, maybe the parents have had a real tough day at work, a tough day at home. They get in the car, and the kid was was in good form. Then suddenly, he's worried sick about his parents. Or, and you know, it's always there in my mind what that child has had to go through before he gets to a session. And uh, and that's why I worry about um, with players, and that's why it's so vitally important to try and get the trust of the players, and try and get to know them inside out. You know, it's a uh, it's tough at the moment because we're not having seen we're not seeing the players face to face, and that that's a real tough thing because they can you can hide so much on um, a screen, which um, you know I can hide that I've put on a bit of weight, but um, you know that's just the screen. I'm blaming the screen for that, but but no, it's it's it is. I do I do. I find it very interesting when i see kids getting into cars or talk to their parents after the session or watching games and i know my role my, the old role with england i didn't have one of the england um, vehicles with all the badges on it although because i wanted to go to a school game without parents realizing i was there because as soon as they saw the england truck in the car park they would get a message onto their son on the pitch the england coach is here and that would just four kids they would just they wouldn't be themselves and we used to love going to see them being themselves in their own school environment performing um, the way they want to and not trying to be something they're not in
1: in your env- environment waltz in terms of the gloucester stuff what would that look like around your support for players and parents facilitating those conversations and and try not i guess to to make it the end of the world i appreciate kids have got dreams and and they feel that that decision will end a dream but but how would you kind of reframe that or resell it or repackage it, whatever terminology you guys would use to kind of just explain that it's, it's part of the process. There's other opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. How, how do you kind of build that into their journey through the Academy rather than doing all of that at the end?
3: It, it's very hard to, um, even though you try things at the very start. So we would say that kids are coming at sort of 14, you know, you're not in the Academy, you're in a pathway here to maybe getting into the Academy, but, once they're in that, they feel they're in the academy and they're part of Gloucester. And we want them to feel part of Gloucester, definitely. Um, so they're already thinking, and there's a big number of players, there. and the parents probably to blame as well. The parents think, oh, my, they're speaking to the neighbour over the fence, oh, my son's in the under 14s academy, well, it Gloucester. And it's, it is nice to have for them, but it's a journey for them. And um, and when we thin it down, it, it, sometimes these kids are sort of living the parents' dreams. And um, we, have to, we have chats with them at the moment. We're doing Zoom chats with them to inform them that we will have to make some decisions. We will have to cut squats down. And, um, but we do give them educational stuff. So we've got the educational officer who's regularly talking to them around how important education is, go to university, getting, the, getting their grades um, or doing apprenticeships. We're talking to them regularly about that. They are given support, even if they don't get an academy on nutrition, they are given some psychological support around this information on goal setting and stuff that we do. And um, so they're given loads of information and we are always there. We've said to them from the start is we're always on the phone or an email if they want to get in touch with us. So they've got I don't want players to come into the academy who don't want to be there. I want them to come because they want to be there. I'd say I don't want them living the parents' dream. If they feel they're being pushed by their parents, I'd rather they, you know, said something. And I did say that openly to all my parents, all the parents during lockdown, that you know we're going to have to make some tough decisions, and we might not be able to see the kids. And, it, and I did get a few phone calls from from um, lads who, you know, said I need to push my academic. I can't. I, I think that's where. And I was I love that because that's what I, I want these kids to be successful. And rugby is part of some of them, and it's not part of all of them. And um, I think they need to live in the real world as well, which is a, at times is pretty hard. That's cool. Uh, I really love that.
1: Yeah, I I I think it's just that piece around as I say you're not you're not shutting down dreams or or trying to crush them but just just being realistic. I think maybe there's there's some myth selling that goes on at some places that that kind of pushes that agenda perhaps too much. So
2: that's just cool. just quickly, Fred's first day with Bristol DPP stuff, Gary Townsend rocked up and just said exactly that like chances of you lot making it pretty slim. We, we're going to help you, you know, let's see where it ends. And and to be fair, Fred went, oh, that old ball guy, he just broke my dreams. But I was quite pleased that he got kind of, it like, you know, that's the reality. Like, let's not, you know, but let's have an awesome time and an awesome journey and, and see where it ends.
1: I think we talked about this before, you know, how, how do you make it more about coaching that person in that moment? And I, I mean, this will touch on some of the stuff that, that Johnny spoke about in in his interview, and we'll probably speak about that in a bit. But just just being engaged in the moment, um, wanting to be there because you just want to get better at that moment, not necessarily doing everything because there's got to be some sort of outcome. This is, you know, go back to Ed, your chat with Ed Hall, Rusty. It's an imagined future. Like none of none of us know what that looks like. We 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 can all want to believe what it looks like, but actually maybe just staying a little bit more engaged in the now would be more helpful for, for, for more people. Beautiful. Right, on that note, Rusty, we'll come to you. What, uh, what are you looking at?
2: And I'm trying to be more engaged in the now. I listen to Steve Rolnick uh, webinar. I've listened to a few of them always kind of take out some. I'm going to call them nuggets and takeaways just to annoy everyone on Twitter. Learnings, whatever, whatever people want to call it. I'm trying to uh, add... Subtract, just see what stuff kind of has impact, so it was a bit around kind of affirmation and praise, some stuff I thought was interesting was well, something that resonated with me because uh, I often throw it around like confetti. that was probably a good phrase for for Rusty saying nice um it's my kind of safe word, let's call it uh, so a bit of chat about that. then there was some chat around kind of the you and I stuff, so. I really like the way you did that. So does that lead to a? They're waiting for us to, to kind of praise them or actually, are they thinking actually, wow, that's cool that you're thinking of me. Uh, then, you know, the I versus you. So that, that must have taken real courage to make that pass. You know, you must have been very courageous to do that. And uh, so just been thinking a little bit about that. Um, and then, um Also some stuff around actually how can you affirm some stuff when things don't go so well. So actually maybe praising some or bringing to life some stuff around effort when stuff doesn't go so well. Um, So, yeah, it just got me really thinking. I mean, um, Ed Hall's stuff had real impact on me during lockdown around the individual interactions. I'm definitely trying to understand what's valuable and helpful for people and and what isn't. I actually kind of primed some people this week before I ran a session and just said, look, here's some stuff I'm working on. I'd love some feedback at the end on it. Um, I think Fletcher Waltz would do this really well. It was one of the reasons I took the job to go and work with them because I know they're very good at this. Um, I think it's like, it's the stuff that people remember, those individual moments that you kind of, have a perhaps a transformational moment with someone. Uh so yeah, I would just you yeah, maybe not making that much sense about it. It's just something that's still kind of in my head and I'm just trying to play around with them, just become better at being more individual. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Fletcher Maltz like, wh- when do you think you've done that well? So which give me some examples of when you've had individual interactions that you think that was that was pretty cool. And when do you think you've not quite got it so well? And Fletch, I'm not going to allow you to mention the Penn incident. Um,
0: yeah, look, I, I think I would always have good intentions. So I'm always trying to have good interactions, uh, but better understand the the person, what's important to, to them. Um, I know players are using their spider senses to sense what's important to us. And we need to be really mindful and aware of that because um, players are working really hard on that. So every time we say something or we do something or we behave in a certain way, we're giving information to the players about what's important to us. Um, and we've got to try and find out really early what's important to them. Um, so the starting point is that I've always got really good intentions. I'm the I, same as Rusty. I haven't got it right all of the time. Um, I think when I have got it right, I've actually... I've spent some time to get to know the person. Um, I've done a reasonable job around finding out some some information, some intelligence from various places. Um, And I've been deliberate around those interactions and worked really hard around noticing stuff. Um, I mean, I've got it wrong a number of times. probably easy to, to mention the ones that I've got wrong, really, which would be kind of opposite of that. I just haven't been attuned. I haven't been I haven't been attuned to what's important to them and the stuff that they're working on. And I've gone off on a completely different tangent, really, and sort of maybe looking at my agenda or the team's agenda or the stuff that I have biases or favour. And I haven't really considered that individual. So a classic one, a title under-15s, I'm coaching them. Uh, I assume that everybody loves running around with the ball. Um. And there's some players that quite frankly play because they love to scrum and they, they love to whack stuff. Um, and I've got that wrong a number of times with them. Those interactions and probably my body language. So n- not even my w- words. Maybe I'm rolling my eyes a little bit around them, like holding the ball in one hand and stuff or just getting super excited about when somebody drops it so they're going to have a scrum. I don't know if that's answered, but that's what I'm thinking when you're talking about it. Just before uh, Waltz jumps in, Mate, can you remind me because that it was one of the the podcasts I, I, I enjoyed listening to because he got stuck in you a little bit when you mentioned unlucky as being unlucky being a bad thing. So oh, Fletch hears this all the time and I don't think it's that helpful. And he went, actually I think it's really helpful. I think it's quite a good thing to say. It's got it comes from a good place. And it, you know, probably, you know, the person we see in that information would know that I want them to do well, I want them to do well. So can, can you remember how that conversation went rusty because
2: i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> but what and what i would say is um it does come from a good place but it is rarely down to luck. Yeah. so is there so i guess is there something more useful than uh, than unlucky might be my question
0: i don't use it now uh, it's, it, it would be really rare for me to say that so that was good feedback from you and so I would use things like good try. I enjoyed that. And things such as what you said there, because I remember listening to the podcast going around being brave. Um, yeah. So actually t- tonight, the lad played crickney he tried to hit a six over, over extra cover, which is a really difficult shot, and got caught on the boundary. And I said, oh, man, that was, a, that was an incredibly brave thing to do. Um, and then the team actually voted for him to stay in, which was like awesome.
2: So, I don't know if you remember. So we did a session at Harrow. I can't remember if Waltz was there as well. Uh, and, and we actually said what talked about the school values and one of the things they spoke about was bravery. So we designed the game yeah. around bravery. It used to call points around bravery. But it actually just gave us a shared language because I guess the other thing, and I was chatting to Elliot Newell about this today, if you use a word like courageous and you think, oh, that's a great word for me to use, they might go, actually, I wasn't courageous. I was just really scared or just doesn't resonate with them, but actually understanding what those words are. And I guess the other thing I've been playing around with affirmations is, it's just the non-verbal stuff. It's just the, you know, the the mm. thumb up or the or the nod of the head or the type of stuff, and just just trying to notice the impact of that as well, and maybe catch up with people afterwards and find out what was yeah, like mate. This just reminds me of waltz dancing. Waltz. Can you remember um, this Waltz? Um, so just, I'll tell the story, Phil, and then Waltz can talk about dancing. I'm sure he will. But it, my favourite day of the year, apart from when I'm with my family every year. Was when we went to the township in in Cape Town, Kaleesha and um one of the things they do when someone says something good they click their fingers as opposed to clapping it's quite a cool thing and so we then you know we we were trying to get this like embedded into into British culture at one point and we were failing miserably but we were having a good time and, it, and the reason it reminds me of of Waltz because uh we all stood in this in this big circle in the middle of the township and there's a lady in the middle dancing uh uh, keep keep banana and uh and peter walton jumped to the middle and was dancing with it it's one of my favorite videos um it's a good dancer
3: Yeah, my dancing's, Um, I was we did and, we did the Highland Fling at um, Scottish Country Dancing at school every Sunday night. So it was it was our Saturday night to keep us in when I was at school in Edinburgh. So uh, that's where my light feet do from. Um, no, I you know I, getting it wrong, and you know I, I think I'm probably getting wrong more with adults than I do with them um, the kids. That's where I'd say I would um I, there's more times where I think I've been misread by um some of the coaches I've worked with. I think of the time or people who come in to see our sessions i think youngsters yes i'm going to make mistakes but i always i tend to say next job that's what i sort of think about is always it's the next job if we make mistakes and i don't see them as mistakes i'm you know definitely gone down the line of learning now and you know we've I've just come back from a session tonight and then this sort of level of uh well, not skill but the, the less balls down should I say on the ground was from compared to the week before was you know I was still saying the same things the week before because I, I didn't think they'd gone badly the week before they were just improved they were just seemed to flow easier tonight and the feel was there the feel factor around the way they were, they were playing the game Um but I think it's important with youngsters that yeah you know and I and I liked nobody likes criticism but when you're given criticism sometimes if you get from a player it, it can hit you and it, it, you take it on board but there's coaches outside I, will, I don't you know coaches talk to me and saying you know i think could you have done it that way and this is probably where fletch and i go back a long way because fletch used to challenge me um at times this after sessions and and i it made me reflect because i wasn't a big reflector as it when i first got into coaching and i probably wasn't a big reflector when i played rugby i played rugby more on my instinct And I just go on and enjoy doing it rather than thinking too much. Because everyone says I'm pretty simple what I do. I'm a simple farmer from Northumberland. So it's, uh, it's very much part of me.
1: How would you guys deal with an interaction or a conversation that hasn't gone well? So is that a case of, you know, you're not, you're not overly comfortable, you've, you've left the conversation, walked away, do you go back to it? Do you, do you ring them? Do you message them? Do you just speak to them next time it happens? Do you have a process for that? Is it just dependent on the individual? Once that's kind of festered in your head a little bit and, it, and it's not sat right, what, what do you do with it?
3: I would tend to try and nip in the bud straight away. I don't like um, I don't like confrontation, but I'd nip things in the bud pretty early. And that's probably when I first went to Gloucester. Um, I sort of, I went, we're well, lucky we've got pictures just out my side of the office and uh, two pictures so you can get a good walk around it. And I like to go for a walk and talk to people rather than sat in the office. And I just think it gives everyone a chance to open up. And I really found that my staff were, they're all different the way they were the way they wanted to be treated the way they wanted to be um you know you know they all were ambitious and some wanted other rule, parts of role some didn't And you know i want to get the best out of them but i wanted to know them i thought i knew some of them before i went there but I've, over time i've got to know them all a lot better i like to think i try to change a few things not stop things but i've tried to change a few things all the things we were doing and I like to think that's come into place, and I think the coaches now understand what we're looking to do, um, and I think that's really important. And they feel they can talk to me and discuss it about them as well. And I'm not happy. I'm not afraid, shall I say, to and to think, yeah, maybe we should just stick at doing that rather than let's change it. So I will, you know, if I don't think something's going right, then I'll definitely look at other options.
0: Yeah, I'd be similar. Yeah, I'd want to try and get some form of outcome even if it's agreed to disagree i think that's relatively healthy so try and check back in with some people um people definitely checked in with me look i didn't quite understand that actually i'm not happy with that type stuff um so try and talk it out i mean harmony would be important for me so you know i would want people to be getting on i'd want stuff to go well eventually i'm really comfortable around like Conflict and having some conversations where people are feeling a little bit awkward, Um, but I would want to get it some form of solution. And however, solution can be a disagreement. That's relatively healthy. I'd be really frustrated then if people started like sort of splintering a bit. That's that stuff would um, both disappoint and upset me really. So yeah, I would aim for
2: that. Rusty, what are you thinking, mate? I I bear a grudge forever around character. Fletcher would have to pull me out of it. I think uh, both these guys would be way better at this than me. Uh, Fletcher would be really intentional. He'd have a, in his head or in a book, like this is the stuff that motivates this person. This is the stuff they're fearful of. This is probably my starter question. So one of his favourites would be, well, what's your opinion on this? Uh, this is the places where I can probably neutralise this conversation if we go and meet here. Um... I think you'd be better at it than me, Fletch. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we're now all trapped on Zoom. So you actually can't necessarily, you know, I'm dealing with some people and they're having these exact conversations and you've then got to resolve it on Zoom, which is, I mean, it wouldn't be number one on your list, would it, Fletch?
0: No, it wouldn't be top five. Although I have, and and, and I'm sure people are being creative around Zoom. I, I, I I like when you just go for a walk and you're both on Zoom. So... Um, I've actually had a couple of them. So I'm walking the dog. I'm doing some stuff with a football guy. He's out for a walk. Um, so we're on a Zoom, but we're actually both outdoors. You know, we're using IEF phone. We're having a conversation. It's almost like you're yeah, right beside other. Sure. And I'm I'm loads more creative. I'm loads more creative in terms of, um, I'm probably a better listener as well. And yeah, so we can be creative around the Zoom, but the Zoom is difficult. It is, it is definitely more difficult.
1: I have to say, I still actually just like a phone call sometimes do you know what I, mean? I, I don't uh, whether, whether it takes away that element of face-to-face and whether you miss some bits i'm not sure but whether it's just a traditional means that you're comfortable with and actually just just saying let's have a let's have a quick chat and follow it up if needs be but i guess i, I do i often wonder about how as the generations move forward is it is it going to be more text related you know are they maybe less comfortable in having Face to face conversations and that type of thing—is it—is it more about then your ability to write and, and offer feedback in in those forms? I'm not sure.
2: We—I'm uh, on the 10th Man uh, WhatsApp group, which Phil, you currently yet to be invited to, which is disappointing for you. Um, <clears throat> big shout out to the 10th Man posse. Uh, and yeah. we had this discussion the other day, actually, because I think it came about because someone, someone's son was released from a football academy by text I think and so we then had a whole debate uh, on if you could only use two words to release them what would they be and it was it was brutal but I mean just yeah some some stuff Uh, and I've had quite a few people recently I've spoken to have been made redundant or lost their jobs or you know in in lots of different spheres and it's been by email or you know you're thinking oh god maybe you have to do an email but you might want to follow it up with a at least a phone call, if not a a walking Zoom or a face to face, and that was to be fair, Fletch and Waltz. That was one of the things that. So I know when you didn't pick people, I mean Waltz, you would have got in your uh, undercover truck and uh, and driven for past 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 multiple service stations, stopping at many of them to. Uh, to go and tell the person and have that honest conversation with them, as opposed to doing it any other way, which is which is a big shout out. Yeah, I think it's. I just
3: think it's been face to face. And again, you yeah. know, haven't been sacked twice. I've It's been face to face, and um, it's when you can look them in the eye as well. That's that's a that's a that's another thing. But um, I do think it's important that if you're not picking players in your squads, or and it was difficult, you know, contracts when I first started with Newcastle, um, during the kids going into this gym not being kept off from the senior academy. It was it was the end of the world for someone. And that was a long time ago. And that was when just the game was gone professional, really. You know, it was only five or six years into it. And now the way
0: I can sorry Pete, um I can remember every single conversation I've had that has released a player and hardly any where they've been picked, quite frankly. So you know the all the great players we've had and we've phoned over saying oh look you're in the squad, you are going to this competition, you are come to South Africa. I actually can't kind of remember hardly any of them, really. I can remember every single person I've had a conversation with to say they've either face-to-face, have got a contract, or they haven't been picked. or uh, And I would remember it vividly because like, you just don't sleep. You, you just don't sleep for about a week around that period of time where you're making those decisions and you're, and you're having those conversations. And I can remember every single one. And I cringe every time I think about it, really, because it's... Um, um, however, I would, like, again, like to think that, um, you know, we've tried to do the right thing. We've tried to be honest. We've given them feedback. We haven't given them any bull about stuff. This is what, this is what we've seen. This is why we've made this decision. Trying to focus on them. Try not to, like, make it about anybody else. I don't think that's helpful. Some people go, oh, well, this person, and compare to this, and I just don't think that's helpful. So, like, this is what I've seen on you. This is a, this is a really great stuff. Um, and this
2: is the stuff maybe you want to consider. But, uh, I, yeah. I, one. I just went for coffee with someone earlier today, and uh, he's involved in rugby, and he applied for a job as a Premiership Academy manager. Fortunately, he's he's working in a Premiership club now, and he and he applied for this other job uh, just over a year ago, and he said, "I still don't know if I've got it." <laughs> they haven't contacted me yet to tell me whether I have or I haven't.
1: Did, did he? Did he manage to miss the um or make the twenty-four hour window for those now? Because that's that's a that's a thing I heard.
2: Yeah, I think I said, why didn't you email them now and just say, oh, just FYI, I know it's been twelve months, but um, it'd be great to find out if I did get the job.
1: I I had that, and and this is always my favourite story of HR in a in in a certain organisation that we all know well. um, Went for a team manager job and first interview into a second interview so four of us for the first interview I think that was on like the Tuesday and then they were like oh if you get a second interview it'll be on the Thursday or the Friday no it must have been the Friday so it was like two days in between so um waited on the Wednesday okay got to kind of Thursday lunchtime thinking I'm pretty sure I've not been invited back for an interview but I'll just you know message someone and ask um and uh, yeah HR had forgot to inform the two people that weren't invited for the second interview <laughs> that to tell them and you just like hold on that you literally had 50% to say yes and 50% to say no and yeah you only got half your job right so um, yeah there we go well, who would work in HR right eh? uh, guys we'll move it on Walt we are coming to you what uh, what are you looking at what were your thoughts
3: um, well because it, um, mainly most of the podcasts I had to say was when I'm trying to walk fast um and some of them i don't get fully through but there's a couple which i've um really been keen on and there's one that's um alistair mccall i do listen to quite a lot of his podcasts and one with um it was about what it takes and it was um vicky williamson um she was a i re- i knew i knew her family and that was one of the reasons i really listened to it as much as anything but she was a a girl whose um parents are both golfers though farmers from the norfolk and um they, she she wasn't really wanting to play golf. The other sister played golf and she was very good at it. And she took up athletics and then was spotted by as one of the talent, UK talent um, ID stuff. And she got into cycling and she became very successful with the cycling. Was on course to go to the Olympics and she was competing in the, um, the competition against a rival. And the rival clipped her wheel on the on the I the final band where she could have come round to win. I think it was either was the Europeans or the Worlds. And she had a horrific injury, horrific accident and was in a, damaged her back, neck, everything. She was just in a real bad way. Couldn't walk for a long time. And it just showed the um, courage and determination. And people go around saying you should have road bumps in your career. And in um, her journey on the podcast talks around how it challenged her to do many different things. Through um, her will to want to get back into it. She never really thought she wasn't going to get back in. That was her determination. Whereas I think a lot of people would say she wasn't going to make it. And she got back eventually through lots of hard work um, to cycling. and But she wasn't quite able to get to the level she wanted to. She she managed to compete I think, again for Great Britain and one competition. And that was the real satisfaction for her. But not going to get to the level where she thought she was going to make the Olympics. So she's taken up at, um, I think it's Bobsleigh. That's what it is. Um, Two-person two Bobsleigh. And she's doing that now and she's working her socks off and she's, for a person who was lying, lying lying in one position on a bed for I don't know, a month or two months, it's amazing how her determination to be successful. She's got parents who are, who are have supported her. She's got lots of people around her, got a sister support her. But her determination just showed what if you are prepared to put it in and you have a bit of luck as well, you know, she admits she's, you know, some people may never, she might not be able to walk again. So she's had her luck to be able to manage to get back out there and compete on a able body position within her, um, with the bobsleigh. And she's going hopefully to the Winter Olympics. That's her goal. She's trained very hard for it. And I think that just to me, that, that's what I look for. You look for when you sort of see kids coming through in rugby who, you know, some people take two buses together. There's little things like that, which are determination. They want to get there to, to train, want to have a go. Whereas you get some who maybe has got all the easy ride to get there. They have all everything put in front of them and, um, and they don't have these road bumps. And I'm not saying, people say you've got to have some road bumps and I've got I've lots of players who have had some horrific road bumps who have been successful. There's quite a lot also who have quite a smooth journey and they are successful. So I'm, I'm not a one for saying you have to have these knockbacks. Um, I'm more one for if you do, and if you come back, you're going to be just more and more determined. And I just think Vicky showed in her determination. I don't know her personally. I know her father and a mother and a sister. Um, but I don't know her. And I just, I just every time I, I read her tweets or hearing she's written, I just think it's unbelievable. And I think that's really important in, in life in general. It's not just sport, it's in life.
1: That's a phenomenal story. Do, do you think people are naturally more resilient than others? Is it something innate or is it something that's just created through life experiences uh, what do you think i think it's got to be a social thing I, I don't necessarily think it's something you can construct I, I think you can challenge people absolutely so that there's an element of it that that you can more regularly overcome things and maybe learn how you deal with those challenges but i i, I wouldn't necessarily say that you know you can't go creating huge life events for people like that that's just so far out of a coach's remit it would be disturbing wouldn't it so i'm not sure can you have conversations with parents about getting them to to challenge their kids more often yes but but are they the same like is that a little bit false if if your friend dies or you've got a family illness or something like you just deal with it like you have to learn to deal with it in that moment and i don't there's probably a lot of books that might help some people or you just find your way through it but i i'm not sure what we can do from a sports coaching perspective to really ever develop that kind of the same nature of resilience and maybe, maybe there's more than one type i'm not sure i needs trauma rusty discuss.
2: Um, Yeah, I think we we would create moments on the pitch that stretch people. We would create moments around the game as well, you know, so the bench example is a good one. I think it would require high support. I think it's very individual. Uh, It can often be contextual, like what makes makes people wobble. I think the bit that people often forget is the support. Um, And, yeah, and use it as an excuse. Um, i have definitely seen some coaches doing some stuff and had to step in, and I think they think that it's just going to automatically turn into something magical. Um, it might not, um, but 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 lots of those experiences will will shape people. I just chatting to a guy <clears throat> he just got made redundant, actually, and uh, and I was just chatting to him, and he, and he said um, he said I'm actually I think this is cool because we've had a period in our lives when we were, we struggled for money before, and it was the best thing that ever happened to our kids. And there was a little bit of me that was like, our kids are probably pretty lucky. So, you know, I'm one of Fred's best mates at the moment is, they're doing charity work over in a township in uh, in, uh, in South Africa. And, and Barney came back and, yeah, I guess you're just ex- shaped by some of those experiences and environments. You'd, he doesn't have a phone in South Africa, so he's pretty weirded out when everyone else gets their phone out um, he's like it's definitely shaped him significantly um, i think it's a, it's a well planned experience for him uh, but yeah no I think it's I think it's individual it's understanding people it's what makes people wobble and then it's kind of what's us how do we put appropriate support around how do we inform everyone there's no point as Doing some stuff with a player, and the parents don't know, and they get in the car on the trip home and they go, Why the hell? You know, what the, geez, you know, that type of stuff. So,
1: is, is that the issue though? Is that the false nature of it? Is, is that a real or true conversation if, if you've manufactured that?
2: You don't have to tell everyone all the information. So, you might actually, you know, it might be a surprise to that person. You, you might preempt it, you might prime it, but it might be a surprise to that person. And the flip side of this as well in in sport, of course, is like Fletch always usually at this point intervenes and goes, how many kids play down in your environment? So actually, what about the ones that are, the whole thing is currently a struggle and they're actually not having that much success. So, you know, clearly, I mean, coaching is, you know, you're stretching people, you're trying to help them grow and get better. And some of that is, is the mental skills and it's also supporting people and, yeah, that's that's the one that I think often gets neglected, if I'm honest. I mean, what are you thinking, Fletch? Yeah, everything that's been said, really. I I, I
0: do think we've got to um, sort of think about it and probably plan it a little bit more. Uh, I mean, you wouldn't tell everybody everything. Um, I actually think sometimes after the event we've got to just hang hang with the player a bit more and like talk it out. So, to help them process it to help them process that experience, you wouldn't necessarily do it all the time but i I don't think we do it enough i i don't think I think they kind of get there by chance really around having these skills through these experiences around coping with stuff not going well um so i I actually think we can plan it a bit um everything that you said around the appropriate challenge and support, maybe talk it, it through a bit more would be useful um yeah, I think I think all of that, and and also trying to create this peer to peer stuff. So I think it would help if if you could maybe demonstrate some fun, you know some vulnerability stuff that hasn't gone well in your life as a past player. That I used to love when Walsh used to talk about his like stories and stuff because he used to be really vulnerable around it um, and he used to tell some amazing stories about it. And I think the players would kind of learn loads from that. So I, I do like the storytelling piece. Get some people in who are like amazing. But actually, like they also found it tough, and they failed, and it didn't go well for them, and then they came through with it a bit. Um, and, and also, going going looking for those stories as well. I think there's loads of really good stories out there. Um, and not everyone would end well for, for me. I don't think it always, always have to have a good, a good ending, um, because that's just not reality. Not every single time everybody's going to have a good ending. But they're going to move on to something else type stuff.
1: Are you the guy that turns the film off just before it gets to the happy ending, just for, you know, a little bit of disruption and just, no, 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 that's it, you know, yeah. No,
0: no, man. I I've I love a happy ending. So, like, <laughs> Monica the Glen's my favourite programme ever because, like, nobody ever died. It was just, just really nice. It was, like, cool. It was easy watching. I used to enjoy it. And... Um, well, yeah, and, and and I do think we underestimate. I think this, you know, the, the young kids got a bad rap, really. You know, all this stuff around Snowflake and the protected, and I mean, it is different. Uh, however, I think they've got a lot going on. There's a lot more pressure on them around education. There's a lot more pressure around social media, and all that stuff that goes on around that. I think they're under. I think they've got lots of opportunities to to demonstrate and develop resilience. Um, We maybe could plan it a bit more, as I've already said, and I think we need to check in with them a little bit more about it, and just try and accelerate this sort of this process of being a bit more skillful. And it and it's obvious in 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 my view, if somebody has something that's gone really really, like you know, a death in the family, somebody close parent, or or, or, you know, and that's obviously going to have a a a a huge impact. Um, But eventually, it's probably going to make them significantly stronger for. Lots of them, not and not everybody. For some of them, it's going to be, it's you know, it's going to be really, really tough to come back from that. So I, yeah, to me, I'm not surprised that people who go on and do well have stuff that's happened in their life that's given them um, some skills um, and some motivation and determination and everything that goes with that, and then they go on and do well. I mean, I mean, no shit, Sherlock would be something that I would say.
1: That, that that actually segues quite nicely just into the the Johnny Wilkinson piece. So Fletcher, I know you haven't listened, but obviously you you know him. But Rusty Waltz, what, what were your thoughts on his his description of his journey? I guess maybe mental journey and where where he kind of describes himself now.
2: Um, I'll, I'll jump in first because you guys know way more about him than me. I've only hung with him a couple of times. Um, And um, when when we were in England with him, I I think you might have been there, Fletch, and he said, I'm starting to understand, like, the mental side of the game. I'm I'm about 1.3% of the way there. Mm -hmm. Um, I listened to the podcast and I thought, and he's probably a bit further down the line, but I just love the exploration. So first thing is, I actually love the fact that there's someone that is exploring almost like his own philosophy of life, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, I felt sad at times, it was quite dark. I thought, you know, the bits where he was kind of just didn't want to leave a hotel room reminded me a bit of Sam Warburton. I think he said he wanted the bus to crash all the way at the match and he didn't want everyone to die. He just wanted them to be injured enough that they couldn't play the game and they were almost gripped by fear and pressure. Um, I really enjoyed the way he spoke about, like, if I spoke like I did now to my 22-year-old self... Um, I, I wouldn't listen 25 I might engage in a debate so I really like that from a coaching point of view we've all had chapters in our coaching lives uh, and I like the way he kind of replayed some of that stuff and um, talked about you know yeah his, his almost like previous self uh, logical cool stuff number one for me probably just try and stay in the moment a bit more try and enjoy things enjoy the scenery often in sport where marginal gains were thinking, what next, what next, you know, got to achieve this. And that's definitely where he was. And actually probably didn't enjoy the moment enough. I'll definitely hand over to the people that know him way better than I do. Yeah, well, I I, I had a
3: quick listen on the way to work and way back today, um, and it was a bit high speed, not the car, but the the, the podcast. Um, But having known Johnny, it, it, it didn't surprise me. All I know is I wish I'd known what I know now than back in the day. So I was lucky to play alongside Johnny Castle, and lucky alongside Fletch to coach him or talk to him, shall I say, as a coach um, for a few years. You know. So and we've kept friends. You know, we speak every so often, and and you know he sent me a birthday message um, last year, and what he said in it, it really hit me that. I was somebody that he looked up to as a player. I never thought that because it's Johnny Wilkinson. But as an 18-year-old, I was playing alongside him and he used to look up to players like myself. And I'm thinking, oh, I never thought of that. But if I'd known what he had gone through, he used to hide it very well. Um, and we probably all tread a little bit on eggshells around him at times. And I think that's probably where we sh- maybe shouldn't have. We should have just sort of, we had lots of fun. So there was lots of very funny times with him as well. But I think he showed that um, that he went through a real tough time and through the injuries, that was a big thing. The injuries were a big factor, which, you know, it was almost like he felt he'd done something wrong. The reason he's injured is he'd done something wrong. So it, it was the pressure on himself with that. Um, and if he you know every time he went to kicked the ball, um, the pressure there. And the way he just talked around at the end, putting the ball in the basketball too, um in the park. I just thought that was just brilliant. And, you know, he he's a, to talk to now. Yeah, he's quite in depth with you. So I had a chat in the summer there with him. But we also had some fun as well. And I think that's just, that's him. He's um, He's gone through a big journey. He's still on a very much a journey and he's trying to help player, people around him. I don't think it's just rugby players. I know he does the kicking with the senior side and so you'll be talking to Owen Farrell and George Ford and that and doing stuff with them and he's trying to live in the moment now rather than the past and he's trying to help them you know he talks around I remember talking to him in the summer about that youngsters they're prepared to try things and do things so why are we stopping them when they get becoming sort of 20 21 22 years why do we stop them doing prevent them doing things let them try and explore because that's when they're relaxed and they're, they're, they're able to do things and, and be at be themselves rather than Keep on going on. I always was told by Steve Black I had to be myself as a coach and not be somebody I'm not. And I think that's what Johnny's um, talking around a lot around now is to enjoy it and be himself and not trying to be something that he was years ago. Um, And, you know, he is a legend of the game, but it's been tough on him. um, But he's been very successful. And I've been very fortunate seeing his journey. And um, I do think I don't think he's finished yet from his journey with what he's doing. I think he's still he's still learning a lot about himself.
0: Man, um, just I might I haven't I haven't listened to it. So I, I I would imagine that you know I would be able to make some reasonable guesses of what's on there. Um, I mean, I think we're all we're all guessing really. So you, you know, we listen to a podcast and we think we sort of know what's going on inside. He said, I think clearly he does a bit. People who are really close to him, obviously, would. I mean, some stuff I'd want to share. He's got a wicked sense of humour. One of the funniest human beings I have ever been around. I mean, really daft, stupid, um, Harry Hilly type sense of humour. Um, it makes me laugh and smile when I can remember him laughing and smiling. Um, huge heart. So people don't know the half of what he's done for even individuals, charities. Um, you know, because he just does it because he wants to do it and it's the right thing to do. Um he once explained how he feels um because I, I was sort of struggling to understand this. I said, Look, Johnny, I need to sort of understand how you're feeling. He said, Let's just, this is the best way I can explain it to you I wake up every day and somebody's mixed up my jigsaw. My jigsaw's my head. Um I said, All right, that's interesting. He said, Well, I went to bed and the jigsaw was made. So you then spend the whole day building a jigsaw, this thing, you know, this around me He's kicking and he's gaming. Everything that needs to go on in his life. And and the jigsaw is pretty much complete at the end of the night and he goes to sleep. Um, and then he wakes up and somebody's shaking his box. And that's kind of what it was like for him every, every day. Every day. And he struggled um, with that kind of thing going on pretty much every day. And that's then sort of drove his behaviour during the day is to fix this jigsaw type thing. Um um, I remember him knocking on my door when I was the academy manager, i can I come and train with the academy? And Walter's laughing. And we were also going, well, I'm not sure you should be, but since the first team guys never ever come and watch us train, and quite frankly, I don't know what's going on then. Of course you can. And it was it, it was the happiest I've ever seen him on the pitch, which was always the happiest space. Um, doing that type of training, so lots of gamey stuff. Lots of exploration and hanging with people who I think he really um, affiliated to, which was young, ambitious, you know, they don't know what's sort of what, you know, what it's all about type stuff. I think he just loved hanging in that type of environment. I mean, I don't think that's given you an insight into his podcast, but that's my sort of memories of him. Um, An absolute wizard on the pitch. Anything you could train, he'd be the best at. So, anything that's trainable, that would be his attitude. And such a sensationally um, creative player. Um, We've probably seen the best of him at the start of his career, unfortunately. I mean, he did get better in terms of especially uh, the physical stuff, but I don't actually think the best rugby stuff he really looked back through the tapes was was at the start of his career. Um, However, he won some amazing stuff towards the end. You know, he did what it took to help the team win. Uh, he's experiences at Toulon and the England stuff. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I just make last thing for me. I just, yeah. I just hope he continues to search for peace and um, he kind of gets a bit closer to it.
1: Uh, point I was going to say is it's really interesting. You say that's when you saw him as the happiest on the field because he talks about that quite a lot. And actually, just how much he talked about flow, getting back to being like a child, and and I. I thought this for quite a while, and, and you know I talked to a guy called Sam Jarman, No Rusty, you've had him on the pod a couple of times, and brilliant guy. And, and generally, I this philosophy I think can change your life if you get it, get stuck into it, and, and pick up the you know pick it up and run with it. But just how much maybe we as coaches put in the way of people connecting with that flow, and and that's something that stuck with me so much. Actually, it's it's about getting out of your own way. As a player, and it's about getting out of the player's way as a coach. In a lot of ways, what can I take away rather than what what can I add? And and that that would be the big thing for me. Just that that's absolutely helped me in my life personally. So yeah, it, it was it was a, you know for anyone that hasn't listened, please go and do so. It say is it's a, it is pretty deep, but um, there there will be something for everyone in that for sure.
2: I spoke to a couple of players recently, and they said, "I think I've got to come to terms with the fact that." My favourite, my funnest rugby days are over, and that makes me sad. Last year I did a session at ACS Cobham, and Danny Care came along and joined in with the with the kids, and he was unbelievable. I mean, and 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 I just said like, looks like it's been a while since you've had that reality. Like people are in flow. I actually look at some of the youngsters in the prem at the moment, and I'm gonna. Sometimes a man I know who wears a cap and glasses, and he says. uh that some of the, the Academy players are over-skilled for the Prem. But they try... Um, Josh Gray scored for you guys the other day, Watts. I mean, seriously, stop it, Josh Gray. Harry Randall, you know, Marcus, it's... You know, that, that, um, Alfie Barbary, the young lad who, uh, who's come on and played prop for Saints the other day. He's a back row two years ago. Like, they're pretty skillful, those lads, almost. I do think we prevent flow. I do think often we get in the way of stuff. Um and we feel that we need to explain and give some of our language and and it can be quite confusing for people. Is is definitely what I'm hearing. I can't end on that though. I need a positive story. I need a I need two positives. I know Come on, come on. Help me out. Help me out, lads. Oh look, I think it'll yeah, I think it's evolving.
0: I think Younger people get into coaching positions. Younger players, I think, will start changing a bit as they become more prominent in the game and and all leading stuff. Um, yeah, I think Johnny's interview and and his support will be will be helpful. You know, these are the experiences uh, that I had. Um, maybe there's some learnings in that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. Just why wouldn't people just want to get the best out of people? I mean, the young players are really skillful. Um, as an example, I think we, I think they can do even more, even more. Come on, Phil. What do you want to end on, mate?
1: No, don't happen there. Um, we're going to end on you guys looking or kind of making some suggestions. What other content would you direct people to? We will end on that. That's always positive. Always being curious. Always exploring. Always learning. Go for it. Uh, Rusty, we'll come to you first.
2: Yep, yep, seeing as they've used mine already. Uh, The playbook on Netflix, um, Get Down With It, lots of shout-outs for how good it is. I'm working my way through Mourinho at the moment, All or Nothing, which is, you know, which is class as well. I just love the insight of people who are working at the kind of, the the edge where you could lose your job at any moment. Actually really curious about that stuff, so... uh, yeah, um, that's my recommendations.
1: Nice on the playbook. Did you see the Doc Rivers one?
2: I haven't watched any, mate. It's next week, mate. Right? Oh. That's why I'm. That's why I'm telling people to watch it next week.
1: No, no, no it's out Tuesday. Oh
2: uh, yeah, I know, but shh.
1: okay. All right,
2: we'll get um, back to that. But a lot of loads. I'm on a lot of watch up groups where they've gone. You got to watch the playbook. You got to. So I'm going to watch it. Don't oh. ruin it for me. Don't, no, don't ruin I, it.
1: It's just really interesting because the the Doc Rivers one is awesome. I've only watched that one. But he, in the car at the very beginning, he goes, why do people call it training? He's like, oh, I'm the basketball training. Like, why is it training? I'm just going to go and play basketball. And, and it, just, it just really resonated with the Johnny Peace around flow. It's not yeah. training. I'm just doing what I love. Like, why would I call it something it isn't? And I just, yeah, just thought that was interesting. So, uh, Walt, what, uh, what would you uh, suggest as a recommendation?
2: Um, well, I,
3: I, again, the ones I listen to a lot, um, not a lot, but uh, quite a bit, is um, Carl Morris, um, the Brain Buster. I, and, I, and I just, I find he's, yes, he's a, he's a golfer, ex-golfer who didn't quite make it. Needs used to say, he laughs about it, that he, he froze, he used to freeze when he got the tee. So he decided to get into, into psychology um, and he used a lot of visualizations, techniques, and he talks around how he uses them. Uh, he also speaks to a lot of golf I just find this links between, it's not help my golf by, by, by all means because I'm my golf is not improving um but you t- there's one thing he talked around the lost art of um, being yourself and I think that's a that's a big thing for coaches I think that it's important that you be are yourself because if you're trying to be something you're not then you're never going to be truthful to what you're trying to su- offer um, and honest with it so I think he's a he's a big there's lots of different ones in there that I've used and listened to and um, I think it's really important you know they're not some of them up to date that pretty the last couple of years but I just keep the, just go through them all different ones Um I don't get time because to watch much on the telly because Coronation Street's on six times a week now so um, so I struggle a little bit with TV um, and I've been lost I've been watching that um, Married at First Sight in Australia which is um, I've enjoyed watching that which is a lot of, lot of stuff in that psychology wise which uh, dealing with people uh, which I found very interesting but um, no, I don't have a lot of time for watching much
2: If Waltz is going to recommend Married at First time, I'm also going to recommend Love Island USA which is a psychological experiment <laughs> They have trapped some people in a flat in Vegas and they are psychologically experimenting with them <laughs> uh, Fletch over to you Oh, man, how would you beat that? Um,
0: <laughs> Jose Mourinho being sacked four times, just to sort of throw it out there. So, um, great manager, done some great stuff. Got a big job at Tottenham. Um, uh, uh, yeah, uh, BJ B, Fogg, so I'm fascinated by sort of behavioural change type stuff. Clearly the government's, I assume, getting advised. Hello, <laughs> maybe they're not around like how we're shifting behaviour. Um, I think it's a great listen. Apparently it's a good book. I haven't read it, but I've listened to him quite a few times across a number of podcasts, BJ Fogg, Tiny Habits. Um, it's changed my thoughts around how how we get people to sort of shift a bit. So a lot of what we would have done and we are doing now within the coaching uh, Coach development, mentoring type stuff, but certainly working with players would be around. We're trying to shift them a bit around their behaviours. Um, and he would have a slightly different view to maybe the view I had a few years ago. Um, I think his model is really simple around sort of motivation and ability and props type stuff. But it's a real good listen. I do think it'll make you think as a coach about how you coach um, which is all you can ever ask for, really, isn't it? Could get you to consider some stuff, but it's 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 fascinating.
2: What did it what did it make you think about quickly, like thirty second elevator pitch? Uh,
0: what did it think about? Sort of, um, you kind of need like an epiphany type moment ish. Uh, you need to sort of have this scale around motivation and ability, like easy to do, hard to do stuff. Uh, too often we don't get enough success early enough actually how intentional are you on creating an environment that is conducive to stuff going well having success um yeah that was kind of it really don't know if i've done him any favors on that but definitely go and listen to it bj fog behavioral change which is, <laughs> which is which is fundamentally <laughs> what coaching is <laughs> you know we're trying to we're trying to shift the nudge it and I think if you listen to it, I think we you might have a I, I think what I would often do is I would set too high a goal. I'd always want to stretch, always wanna be pushing the boundaries and, and you know, and 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 he would probably suggest that's important as well as maybe some
1: other stuff. Nice. That'll go on the list for sure. Uh link will also go up. So um gents dream team uh thank you very much it's been a blast i've really enjoyed this uh i will now just round up the roundup so we hope you found it useful thank you to my three guests for their brilliant insights uh links to all the content discussed are available in the podcast blurb please subscribe like and share i'd like thank you for listening wish you all the best and go well